Well, thank you very much, worship team, um, for leading us. And I think we, um, man, it is something about being able to just sing and worship God through song. And, and uh, I trust that as we've sung today that you've just felt uh, just the peace come over you and just the joy come over you uh, to be able to do that. And so today we're in the third part of the series, Among Us. Um, among Us is kind of a way of saying the incarnation, that Jesus is among us, he dwells in us, and, and we're just a few days away from Christmas, and today I want to talk to us uh, about hope. But more specifically, I want to talk about where is our hope found? Where is it placed? Where do we find our hope? I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you felt um, like hopeless. And I'm not talking about like, man, I don't know if I'm going to pass this exam. I'm talking about deep, deep hopelessness, complete hopelessness. My guess is that some of you have had moments like that. My guess is that some of you have had seasons where you were in a, this time of hopelessness. And maybe nothing was going quite as it should. Maybe it was a season where it felt like everything was against you. And maybe for some of you, there have even been some of those extreme moments where you felt like there was no point. Why continue? My own life, I was there back in 1993. This was a time in my own personal life where I felt absolute hopelessness. And so if you've ever been in that type of place, and I won't share my journey and my story today, but if you've ever been in that kind of a place or in a season of that or even in just a moment of that, then there's something else that hopefully you know and if, and if you've experienced this, you can clearly recognize that moment, that incredible moment when you rediscovered hope. When hopelessness was all you felt and then all of a sudden you began to experience hope hope again. It was rekindled in your life. Sometimes it can be a small event. Sometimes it can be just the, something that someone says to you. You know, it might just be a, a moment, a passing moment, a spoken word or a time that was given to you, um, a reminder of something that you've been here before, you've gotten through this before, and in that, hope is rekindled. Now, what is important for us to remember is where our hope is placed. Because anything other than then in Jesus is a passing hope. It is a, it is a false hope. It will not last. I want to piggyback off the, the, the sermon that Pastor Johnny, uh, Jonathan did for um, a moment. He talked about the wait and how the, the people of Israel were in a season of waiting for the Messiah to come. And some are still waiting because they didn't recognize and don't recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. So they're still in this time of waiting. And during that time of waiting... Many lost hope. Similar to those years when the Israelites were in Egypt and for 400 years they were enslaved and they were mistreated. And, and during that time of you know, despair and toil and, and times the people became demoralized. They, they began to, to feel that there was nothing that was going to be done about their situation. And then Moses came. And Moses had a word from God. That God had remembered them. And that God was there to rescue them. And hope was rekindled. The people saw the miracles. They saw what God was doing. And suddenly for the people of Israel, way back in Egypt, their hope was rekindled. And now the people of Israel 
find themselves again in a season of waiting. God has been silent. He hasn't spoken. 400 and some years have been silent. No prophecy. No word from God. It's important for us to remember that during this time, life went on. During your season of waiting, life doesn't stop for the thing you're waiting for. Life continues. For the Israelites during this time, they were invaded by army after army. They were occupied. All their sacrifices and all the meetings at their temple seemed to fall on deaf ears. God wasn't hearing them, it appeared. And so during this time, they were occupied. Their culture was threatened. Their worship was jeopardized. Their leaders were corrupted. Poverty was everywhere. Society was unstable. False teachers, false people came up and said, I am the Messiah. And many came in that time claiming to be the Messiah. But they always turned out to be not. Where was the hope? Hopelessness. And then, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. These are likely the very first recorded words from God in 400 years. All those years of silence, and now suddenly the silence is broken by this angelic visit to a young teenage girl named Mary. In the words, the Lord is with you. These words must have come as a shock to Mary. How can this be? But they're also a sign to her that God has not abandoned her and that God has not abandoned his people. And I'm sure that Mary expected that she would, she would have never expected that she would be the one to be the first to hear from God. See, sometimes hope comes in the least expected places, in the least expected ways. In this case, a seemingly small promise, the Lord is with you, leads to something so much bigger. The angel says, the Holy One born, to be born will be called the Son of God. We went from God is with you to you will conceive the Son of God. 
See, we tend sometimes to look for hope in places where we think it should come from. And I just want to give you a little bit of history. At this time, there was a man alive. His name was Herod the Great. And his name alone should kind of give us an indication of what type of person he was. This, this was a great man. This man accomplished amazing things. He built these enormous structures, these enormous buildings. Many of them are still um, able to be seen today. And so Jesus was basically born in the shadow of one of these structures called the Herodium. Here's a picture of it. This is only three miles away from where Jesus was born. The Herodium is a site that looks like a volcano, but it's not. Herod the Great built this as a palace, as a fortress for himself. He literally moved one mountain to build up another mountain. It was also in this shadow of this place where Jesus told his disciples that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Every eye would have immediately looked at that. Herod had moved a mountain. Herod the Great. This is where you would think you would look for hope. Someone who had the capacity, the availability, the strength, the, the resources to build something like that. But this is not how God works. Instead, God brought the promise of hope, the Messiah, to a person or through a person no one would have ever expected. After Jesus was born in a cave in Bethlehem, he's placed in a manger. And Mary wrapped him, it says, in a cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. This is an indication that even in this, Mary and Joseph were completely alone. Mary, normally they would have had a midwife there and she would have wrapped the, the baby, but Mary had to do this herself, meaning that very likely that this baby, Jesus, was born and the only ones present were Mary and Joseph. But again, this is not where we would normally look to to think that the Son of God would be announced or born. This is definitely not where one would look into a stable, into a stall where animals dwell. This is not where one would look to find hope. No one would have expected hope to be in this place. One would expect that hope would be born in a beautiful, well-decorated, fortified palace or a temple. Maybe like the one in Jerusalem that had just been refurnished, rebuilt, expanded. See, back in 37 B.C., Herod expanded and restored the temple of God. It was beautiful. It's magnificent. Some of its structure still stands today. And it was only nine kilometers from Bethlehem. This is where you would think a child, son of God, a child like that would be born, not in some small insignificant village called Bethlehem. If you keep looking in Scripture, you see Luke chapter 2, verses 8. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Today, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Where was the first story, or where was the first announcement of the birth of Jesus given to a group of shepherds? Shepherds were not who you would expect to be privileged with this news, at least not to be the first to hear such news much less to be the bearers of this news. These shepherds were not familiar with good news. This this wasn't the group of people that you ran to. And I know it's easy for us today to kind of be hard on shepherds and and, and talk about them. And, And you see, like this would have been, if you look at this image, this would have been somewhat of the life of a shepherd. Out in a field, alone, with sheep. Shepherds were often uneducated, unskilled for the most part. Shepherds, the stereotype of them was that they were dishonest. They were unreliable. As a matter of fact, in in a court at that time, if a shepherd's testimony was the only testimony to a crime, the shepherd's testimony was dismissed because they were not considered to be reliable. Their testimony was was not admissible or was inadmissible. Their job required 24-7, 365 days a year care, giving them little time for themselves. Shepherds were considered ritually unclean because they couldn't keep the rituals. They couldn't keep up with all that the law required. Rarely was a shepherd in one place for a long time. And so relationships were strained. They were always moving about, looking for greener pasture. And this was who the angels went to first. So are you beginning to see a pattern about hope? Mary was the first to hear from God in over 400 years. Bethlehem is the location of the Messiah. Shepherds are the first to hear the birth story. And if you look further into the life of Jesus, you see Jesus starts his ministry with who? Not kings and, and not people of prestigious you know, recognition. No, he started it with 12 young men, most of them uneducated. His ministry focused among those who were considered outcasts. He lived among the poor. He was betrayed by one of his own. He died on a cursed cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And then when he rose again, the first to hear it were women. Three women. Sadly, many of these women's testimony at that time was dismissed. They were not considered to have, you know, the, the trust of the people. And you see this even in the disciples. When the women came and told them what had happened, the disciples ran to see for themselves. Why? Because they did not maybe trust the truth. 
what you're beginning to see here, I hope, is that hope does not come from where you might expect it. That's the point I want us to understand today, that your hope, the hope that you have, where are you placing it? What is it placed in? Where do you find, where do you anchor your hope? Is it in the things that you would expect hope to come from? Is it from the places that you would think should be trusted? Where is your hope placed? You will need to answer that question for yourself. Because even in this time when all seemed lost, when, when this time when it seemed like every place that hope was coming from wasn't the place where it should have come, yet in that place hope was born. In a manger, in a small village, surrounded by filthy animals, there in that lowly place, hope was among us. In this small child named Jesus. So where is your hope placed? It's a question every one of us has to answer for ourselves. If you're thinking about, oh, my hope, I'm, you know, I we're studied hard for my exam, so I'm placing my hope in that. Well, I'm talking here about the deeper things of life. See, if we place our hope in anything other than Jesus, our hope is a false hope because it can be shattered, it can be changed, and all of us are so familiar with that today. Most of us may have found ourselves concluding that once this pandemic is over, then things will be back the way they were. Things will be back to normal. So if only the pandemic would end, folks, that's a false hope. I'm not saying the pandemic will not end. It will end. But something else will come. We may think, if I can only get that raise, if I can only get that job, if I can only get the promotion then things will be good. Then I'll be able to better care for my family. I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to get there and do this. Folks, that's a false hope because all those things can be taken away like that. I'm not saying you shouldn't strive for a raise. You shouldn't strive for promotion or, or get the dream job. Chase after those things. Go hard, but do not place your hope in those things because it's a false hope. The hope we need in every situation and in every circumstance and at every age, every culture can only be found in Jesus Christ. And that hope is available to you. It is free. And it will give you something that you have not experienced before. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace we, we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering, because we know that suffering perse produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our peace, our hope, comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is available to us today. He is among us. The hope can be yours. 
you too can boast of the hope of the glory of God, even in times when you are experiencing hardship or confusion, even in times that are a hundred times worse than today. Hope is available to everyone. From the people in concentration camps in China, to those starving to death in Africa, to those being smuggled in Europe, to those living without homes in Leamington. Hope is for all people. I want you to understand, hope does not remove our struggle. It helps us get through it. Hope does not remove our struggle. It helps us get through it. So I want to encourage us to embrace this hope, to place, to anchor, to secure our hope in Jesus Christ. This hope will not disappoint us. This hope will not put us to shame. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, and by the new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly, unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, when Jesus died on the cross, you know this, the temple curtain was torn in two. Not just a little torn, torn in two, completely opened up. And what this did, this for the first time, this exposed the Holy of Holies to the average person. Now suddenly everyone had access to the Holy of Holies, something that only the high priest could do once a year. Now suddenly everyone had access to God. The writer of Hebrews explains that today we can approach God. Jesus is our high priest. So let us draw near to God with full assurance. So what is this hope that the writer of Hebrews commands us to hold unswervingly to? What is this hope? It is this. The hope that our salvation is in Jesus Christ. The hope in Jesus returning and taking us home to be with him. The hope that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, who is with us in this time. The hope that he who is greater, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. The hope that in him we have peace that surpasses all understanding. What is this hope? One simple word, Jesus. Jesus is the hope we must hold on to no matter what we are experiencing in life. So I trust that our response would then be the same as that of Mary's. And the shepherds. May we respond the way Mary did when, when this hope was revealed to her. After all these years of silence, God says to her, You 
you will bear a son. God is with you. What was Mary's response? I am the Lord's servant. So may our response to this hope be the same. That I am the Lord's servant. And may our response be like that of the shepherds. Let us go and see. They're like, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing. Maybe we want to say, let's go and see. Let's engage and understand what does this mean for us today. What life in Christ is in store for us? What is this life that God has in store for us? Let's go and see. So I wonder where you find yourself today. I wonder if hope is radiating through you or if you're discouraged or if you're angry you're frustrated you're hopeless hope can be rekindled and if for whatever reason you find yourself in a place today where hope is not as evident as you know it needs to be and as you want it to be, then I invite you today to rekindle your hope. It's not in me. It's not in lack of restrictions. It is not in this building. Your hope that will persevere you through all hardships is in Jesus Christ. And if in this moment right now you find yourself discouraged and you find yourself hopeless, and folks, you have many reasons to be. This sucks. This is not the way we wanted Christmas again. All of this, I get it. But if you're finding yourself today without hope, folks, rekindle that hope in Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you. Like I said before, I asked, where is your hope placed? So I want to invite you. That's a question you have to process for yourself that at this moment right now, as you're thinking in your life, is your hope securely placed in Jesus? And if it is not, for whatever reason, and like I said, you may have great reasons. You're, you're struggling with health concerns. You're struggling with who knows what. Some of you have told me that you're struggling with your children. And there's all kinds of things. Folks, I understand that there are things that are challenging this hope. Today, you can return to Christ and say, I don't understand all that's happening. I don't know why my life is the way it is, but I am securing my hope in you. It is a hope that you must hold to unswervingly, no matter what. And this hope will not disappoint you. It will not put you to shame. So you might be saying, well, how do I do this? How do I, my hope is, needs to be rekindled. How do I do this? Maybe the way for you to do this today is to simply just again say, Jesus, I am not the master of my life. And I surrender myself to you again. And I allow you, Jesus, to have your way in me. And Jesus, I look back and I reflect on those times when you rescued me, you saved me, you restored my life. And I hold on to that. I look, Jesus, in your word, and I hear the promises that you've made and how no promise you've ever made has been broken. So I hold on to that. You are my hope. 
And I rekindle that hope. I restore my hope. And you may ask the Holy Spirit to help you in this. Invite the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm struggling with, with hope. I'm struggling to have this confidence. And allow the Holy Spirit to rekindle in you again this hope that you can have that is yours in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to invite you to just bow your heads for a moment. And just you and God. If you're at home, I want to encourage you to do the same. If you're listening to this later, just pause wherever you are and just just reflect for a moment. Where is your hope placed in? And does it need to be rekindled? And if it does... Cry out to God. Tell Him about the pain. Tell Him about the frustration. Tell Him about the thing that makes you so angry. Tell Him about the thing that just keeps coming at you and coming at you and coming at you and you can't seem to get over it and is draining your hope. Tell Him about these things. Let Him know about your pain. Maybe you're angry at him. Maybe you're frustrated with some of the things that are said in Scripture, and you're like, why is this not being answered and fulfilled? And and you're just in a time of grieving. Tell him about that right now. Maybe you want to ask him to explain where are the answers to the prayers? So you've got to be honest with God and bring these to Him. Lay them at His feet. Now that you've done that, ask Him for hope. Just invite hope to come back. Jesus, you are the hope of the world. And the reason for that is because that's your purpose. You are God. Jesus, you are the person who who came, the God who came to die for the sins of the world. Jesus, you overcame all that humanity, all that this earth could give. You overcame it. So we come to you in this absolute confidence today that you have overcome. And therefore, if we place our lives in you, you will help us overcome. So I pray for any person here today who finds themselves hopeless Would you restore their hope? May they know right now, Jesus, that their hope is in you. May you give them a glimmer this morning of the hope that is available to each one. We thank you that you are among us, that you dwell with us. And I pray that your work would be accomplished here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you.